This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, 88.9 in Rockford area, and that includes Marengo, Harvard, and Beloit. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn, and remember always that we are brought to you by you, and so any donation that you make is always appreciated, large or small. And uh, if you go to our website, catholicspiritradio.com, again, that's catholicspiritradio.com, it will tell you there more about us and also how to make a donation. And uh, if you want to make a donation, please do that now, uh, because if you act, uh, it benefits us uh, directly. And as I said, we can always use your help. Uh, We're going to talk today about uh, uh, a new publication that is out concerning the Catholic Church. And I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, in a little bit, and she is going to read uh, some articles from that uh, and about that publication. The title of it is True Confessions, Voices of Faith from a Life in the Church, and it's found in Ignatius Press. You can order it through Ignatius. It's well worth reading, and uh, it uh, talks a lot about what uh, various people in the church are saying about what's going on in the church now. Very, very candid. The author has done a very good study of all of uh, the, a wide range, I shouldn't say all of, but a wide range of opinion from the prelates, from priests, and from deacons, and from bishops, and so forth in the church. So you get an idea of what these people think in their parishes and what is going on. And uh, it's written by Francis Mayer uh, Sr., and he's a fellow in Catholic Studies at the uh, Ethics and Public Policy Center. Uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput made Mayer his chancellor in Denver and also his special advisor in Philadelphia. And so he has been in the trenches in the Catholic Church, knowing what's going on right at the cutting edge of parish level in the diocese and what's going on with the bishops. And uh, it's very, very interesting. We'll read uh, some excerpts from some of the things he said, and I think you'll, you'll find them very interesting. So I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, and she is going to read a, an article uh, by, from Francis Mayer himself, and it concerns some of the things that he said. So I'll turn this over to Lynn now. Yes, this is the, from the Catholic thing. Are you all familiar with the Catholic thing? It's on your, it's the catholicthing.org. And you can get messages every day, keep you up with what's going on. This article was uh, published on February 28th, 2024. And the title is Toward a Confessing Church. He starts out by saying, let's start with a fun quiz. Who said the following words? It is simple, simply incomprehensible how anybody can consider the Christian doctrine of redemption as a guide for the difficult life today. A church that does not keep up with the modern scientific knowledge is doomed. Does this sound familiar? It should. 
Surely the the words of a celebrity atheist like Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris or Daniel Dent, or maybe they belong to a member of today's Harvard or Yale professors. They're both very plausible options, and they're both wrong. Which tried the Nazi propaganda this Joseph Goebbels. Yes, I know America 2024 is a very long way from Germany in the 1930s. And yes, of course, what happened there can't happen again. History never repeats itself. But it does need to. It doesn't need to because the patterns of human thought and behavior that make history repeat themselves all the time. We already live in a surveillance state. Bullying is now the go-to mythology of our enlightened leadership class. And therein lies a lesson that transcends time and borders. In baptism, Christians are made confessors by nature. It is our vocation. We're meant to witness or confess our faith through the example of our lives and what we say and what we do. Claiming to be Catholic while obediently conforming our lives to a culture that disdains God's word and violates our faith is simply a convenient way of lying to ourselves and everyone else. It's a useful anesthetic for the conscience. What we got now in our country is, at best, a tolerance of religion. At worst, more and more, we're dealing with a real hatred, outright bigotry towards a religious faith. I never thought I'd put the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel on my medicine cabinet mirror, but I did. There is utter, raw evil in the world, and it's the strongest force in the universe save one. The lesson is simple. We need to be confessing Christians, and we need a confessing church. And that article was uh, an article from the Catholic thing, of course, but uh, it was written by uh, the... uh, Francis Mayer. Right, Francis Mayer, the author of uh, the new work that I've mentioned, uh, The True Confessions, Voices of Faith from a Life in the Church. You know, you can get it through Ignatius. So you're hearing what that author himself uh, thinks. I might add, it is also available a pre-order from uh, Amazon, and they are the same price at both places. However, Amazon will not be distributing them until about the 22nd of March. Uh, Ignatius, you can get it right away if you want it. I'm going to read also uh, from the Catholic thing on on candid Catholicism by Robert Royal. And uh, Robert Royal is editor-in-chief of the Catholic thing and president of the Faith and Reason Institute in Washington, D.C. His most recent books are Columbus and the Crisis of the West and A Deeper Vision, the Catholic Intellectual Tradition in the 20th Century. And uh, he is often uh, on The World Over Live with the uh, Raymond Arroyo, and if you watch that on uh, 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 EW10 on TV. Uh, on Thursday evening. Yeah, Thursday evening, I think it's on uh, World Over Live, and uh, 
it's uh, uh, available. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the, what's the name of the? The People Posse? Well, yeah, you consider it belonging to the People Posse. I was just trying to think of the name of the program itself. Uh, world Over. Well, no. the World Over Live, but uh, it's uh, the channel that it was on. I didn't read it. I don't have it right in my mind. But if you just look up, if you just call it's on EWTN. Yeah, it's EWTN on, on your television. Just uh, look under World Over, world over Live, and uh, you'll find it. Uh, it depending on whether you're on Comcast or whatever you're on. It might be on various different channels. I was trying to think of the channel, the name of the channel it was on. I couldn't think of it. But at any rate, uh, I want to read from his article, and it also refers to, uh, again, the uh, the same uh, book, True Confessions, Voices of Faith from a Life in the Church uh, by that Robert Mayer. And uh, so we'll read from that. And the reason that we're doing this I think it's a really important book. It really delves into you. You'll find some very interesting things that the bishops, a lot of the bishops and priests and so forth in the Catholic Church are thinking that uh, you're not going to ever hear them a voice out loud probably. And uh, you get an idea of what their concerns are. And you get an idea from their concerns of maybe what the state uh, of our nation is and uh this is, you know, why we're doing this, and especially during the period of Lent, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, after we read these articles about things that we can do, and uh, you could look at these things as maybe something across the bear during this Lenten season. So we'll we'll go from uh, the articles into some comments on that as well. But I'm going to read here Candid Catholicism by Robert Royal, and uh, he will be referring to this book. And he says, many people in many nations these days say they don't recognize their country anymore. Between the radical changes in sexual morals and social behavior, the inability to state the obvious like what is a woman, claims of racism and hate over everyday social frictions, massive unregulated immigration, and wholesale dismissals of the past as irretrievably evil, it's no wonder. To understand all this is not easy. To know what to do, harder still. But now comes a very useful tool from Francis X. Mayer. True Confessions, Voices of Faith from a Life in the Church, is both passionate, is both a passionate statement of faith and love of the church and a careful inquiry into what a cross-section of American bishops, priests, deacons, and lay people are thinking and doing at a very difficult moment for the church and the world. Fran Mayer is the right man for this job and many others. He's been in the trenches. Archbishop Charles J. Chaput uh, says in 26 years of working together, I've never had a moment when I questioned Fran's ability or character. Uh, many times in his book, therefore, or many things rather in his book, therefore, warrant careful attention and offer realistic hope. So it's a book that we all as Catholics really should read, I think. He says, for example, the average Latin rite ordinary, that is, the bishop actually in charge of a diocese, as opposed to an auxiliary, sleeps about 6.49 hours a night and prays about 1.80 hours a day. He works 6.33 days and about 51 hours each week. And I'm saying and putting all these things in just to show you how much detailed information 
that this man is gathering. This is just but a sample of, of what's going on, how he's taking the pulse of the Catholic Church and finding out what these people think, what they do, and uh, how they work. And it's, it's very, very uh, detailed things that you would not know simply from being in the parish as a layman. And uh, he says, Ordinaries ranked the National Catholic Reporter, a progressive publication, lowest on a list of religious news publications they typically read. So that was, you know, surprising to me. I didn't know how they their attitude toward the National Catholic Reporter. But uh, on the whole, they ranked that progressive paper, and it's progressive, as uh, a low, you know, something low on the list of things that they read. And here's something that really surprised me. They ranked the Fox Network as their most frequently watched television news source. Some 72% of ordinaries, let me get the page turn here, feel accepted by most of their priests. And 97% listed ministering the sacraments and celebrating the liturgy as their greatest joy. Now, that, of course, uh, was something that I, you know, would consider to be expected, that uh, saying Mass, I'm sure, and uh, applying the sacraments and doing all the priestly things would be their greatest joy because that's what priests went into the church in the first place for. And it goes, it says, the anonymous, and this is important, anonymous comments by bishops are among the most interesting parts of the book because uh, when this person did the research, the bishops and the priests and the people in the church were assured that they would be anonymous. And so we're hearing things from their point of view and how they think. And it's very, very interesting. And I think most lay Catholics should read the book and understand that. It says, many of them get what's happening, meaning get what's happening in our society today and understand a lot of what's going on and uh, all of the turmoil and so forth that the Western civilization in, in general and America in particular is going through. I was surprised at that. Yeah. It says, uh, their conclusion is is that we, meaning they, the church, the, the the prelates, the bishops, the people in the church, that are in you know the the, the uh, clergy, were no longer arguing about how to get a commonly shared goal, or how to get to a commonly shared goal. Now we have warring goals. In other words, there's a lot of turmoil going on in the church because different factions of the church have different goals, and those goals are in conflict with each other. Is what they're saying. Church leaders have limited ability these days to shape what happens, even among Catholics, especially since the abuse crisis, which has eroded Episcopal authority. And we've mentioned that a number of times on this program. I've mentioned it uh, quite a few times that uh, that's how I feel also is that our church uh, in America, at least, does not have the authority that it had before. It's afraid to speak out on things because the abuse scandal Uh, made it hard for church leaders to lead uh, because they would get criticized right away and the abuse would be brought back up and and, uh, they would be perhaps a church that spoke out like that. Uh, There would be people uh, against the church that would be searching as hard as they could to find uh, uh, examples of abuse within that parish and so forth. And uh, the, 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 the spokesmen for it were afraid to call attention to themselves because this would happen to them. And so the abuse crisis really hurt the church a lot along those lines. It hurt its ability to, to exercise its authority. And it goes on here. It says, furthermore, 
several bishops expressed worries like this one. And uh, I'm going to have to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back to this uh, and talk about some of the worries that the bishops and the priests in the church have. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boy. Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church Campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Chicago radio personality Kevin Matthews found a broken statue of the Virgin Mary by a dumpster. His life was changed forever. Join us at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Bloomington on Saturday, March 23rd to hear Kevin's life-changing Broken Mary story. Doors open at 11 with a light lunch available at 11.30. This free event starts at 12.30, book signing afterwards. Register on the Holy Trinity website under the Grow in Faith tab or call us at 309-829-2197. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station. 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about uh, a a book, uh, excerpts from that book by Francis Mayer and True Confessions, and it's about uh, the various uh, attitudes and worries and uh, opinions of the uh, clergy in the Catholic Church. It's very, very interesting, and I think it's something all lay Catholics should read if they possibly can and understand what's going on. And uh, I was talking before the break about what some of the bishops are worried about and what kind of uh, they express uh, their worries. It says here, furthermore, several bishops express worries like this one. And uh, it's, it's, it's something that uh, you wouldn't maybe necessarily expect, uh, but it's very interesting. It says, the one bishop here says, I support our police. Uh, actually, uh, several bishops have, 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 I shouldn't say one bishop, 
one bishop is being quoted here, but several have made statements exactly like this one. And here's the statement. He says, I support our police and certainly don't fear them. But when it comes to the federal government, I do believe that we're dealing with a totalitarian attitude now. Our Catholic schools are very important to the church, but government could easily shut them down. I don't know if it will, but I am prepared for the worst. And some of the others go on to point out how easily the government could shut them down simply by passing laws that the church simply would not be able to, uh, in their, in their uh, schools, would not be able to comply with. You know, just like they pass laws that make it impossible for Catholic uh, uh, adoption agencies to adopt uh, children out anymore because the law says they would have to adopt them out to uh, uh, same-sex marriage people, and the church simply can't do that. And so the adoption agencies have to be shut down, and good homes for people that really need them are not available to a lot of kids that could have them simply because there's a vendetta against the church by progressives who push for laws like this under the name of you know equity and equality and so forth. But it really, they're simply being passed and pushed to actually hurt the Catholic Church, and the bishops worry that the same kind of thing could happen with the schools. Certain laws could be made where the church would have to go along with practices that the Catholic Church rejects, and therefore the schools themselves would not be able to be qualified uh, according to government regulations, and they would have to be closed or else they would have to conform to the uh, zeitgeist of the, of the you know the day. The, they'd have to conform to... Uh, the culture that uh, of modern culture that the Catholic Church rejects. So it goes on here. It says others recognize the way that politics has distorted what it means to be a Catholic. Sometimes I wish we'd never had a Catholic president. One bishop says, and this bishop speaks for a lot of others as well. He says now we're paying the price for it. The rosary of a man like Joe Biden is a bit like a perfume bottle. It's empty, but you can still catch the scent of the perfume now and again. These are pretty, some pretty tough statements, and you wouldn't think that the, a lot of the people you know, the, in the church are thinking along these lines because a lot of times they don't dare say this out in public, and so they're saying it uh, when they know that uh, it's going to be in a book and that they are going to be anonymous. It says, American bishops are loyal to Pope Francis, but most express concerns like this about Pope Francis. And here's a quote. Pope Francis has a great love for the poor. His heart is genuine. But a pope should be the principle of unity in the church. And instead, Francis fosters ambiguity, which feeds division. His distaste for the United States and its bishop is obvious and unwarranted. His manner is authoritarian. And it's revealing that not a single seminarium inspired by Francis has come to this diocese during his entire tenure. A church under pressure needs something better than this. Now, notice what's said here. It's said that uh, the church is under pressure. That these, these prelates, these bishops, these priests feel that the church is under pressure from the modern society today. And, and it's true. There is a lot of anti-Catholic uh, and anti-Christian sentiment in this country today, and the church feels that sentiment, and it feels that Francis is not creating the unity that's needed to resist it, that uh, he has a distaste for the United States, and I've mentioned that before, too, and it shows through. 
And it shows that the people in the church understand and feel this way. A lot of them do, at least. And they're not saying anything about it because it's hard to do so. And uh, their congregations are often split on these things. And it's not easy for these people to uh, address these problems. And so this is something, you know, that probably we should have understood. But, I mean, it's it's a revelation to me. And I'm sure it would be a revelation to others who, who would read this book. And he goes on. He says, Uh, I don't think people have any idea of how much genuine satanic evil is out there. The demons that can be present in a person and the way they can enter a human being through the senses from the misuse of technology, from generational curses or through the role of other sins. So I think uh, there's a lot of people in the church. And I know, you know, from our own point of view here on the show, we've uh, expressed this as well. The people are sensing a lot of evil out there in the world, and uh, they're sensing that it's, uh, you know, uh, doing a lot of harm, and there needs to be a unity in the church to oppose that. So uh, it's very, very interesting what this book gets at. It says, uh, these voices are realistic about the church in America, which is probably in for at least another decade of or two of rough going. But it's reason for hope to learn about what they're doing to make the best of today and prepare better times in the future. And uh, so it's something I think during Lent that is important to think about and probably important to read. And one of the conclusions I've made from this before I go on, although I'll I'll ask you, Lynn, is there anything more you want to say along the lines of these two? uh, Uh, I will later. I've got something in mind that I want to say, but go on with what you're doing. Okay. Uh, The other thing I wanted to get in here is, uh, this is an article, I'm going to read a little bit from an article uh, from Chronicles Magazine by Roger D. McGrath, and I've read from him before. He's a good historian, and uh, he's written about U.S. history and He's written about the, the you know the Irish coming to this country from and after the potato famine and uh, other things along those lines. Very interesting person to read, and he hasn't had his column in columns for the last two or three issues. And I think what he's been doing since he's a, he's such a good historian is research on this uh, whole migration thing, this immigration or migration, if you want to call it that. All of the people that have been coming into our country, especially. Uh, across our borders that aren't being guarded. And uh, he makes some comment on them that is related to the Catholic Church. And so I'm going to read just from that part of it. I would like to read the whole article sometime. I'm not going to be able to do it today. But I'm going to read from this as well because it goes right along with what we've been reading from uh, uh, Francis Mayer's book and uh, from what the bishops are saying and what the priests are saying in the church and the concerns that they have. And uh, he goes on and he says, well, the U.N. and and the Biden administration are doing everything they can do to move migrants from Latin America into the United States. Their efforts are rivaled by church groups. It's an ecumenical effort with Protestant, Catholic and Jewish groups well represented. Among the many dozens of groups are Lutheran World Relief, United Methodist Committee on Relief, Adventist Development and Relief Agency, Baptist River Ministry, Catholic Charities, Kino Border Initiative, Humanitarian Respite Center, Border Angels, American Jewish World Service, and Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. 
I was surprised to learn that these groups are often partly funded by the U.S. government grants. And uh, notice that if there is any money from government ever funding anything in the Catholic Church that moves toward a traditionalist, orthodox, or more conservative uh, cause, you will have progressives coming out of the woodwork screaming and yelling about the separation of church and state. But when the money is coming from the government to support progressive uh, goals and ideas, you don't hear a peep. Uh, He goes on, he said, uh, uh, I was surprised to learn that these groups are often partly funded by the U.S. government grants, the good old American taxpayer once again. Todd Bensman at the Center for Immigration Studies reports that in fiscal year 2022, uh, HIS received 40%, 7% of its funding from government grants, and that's the Hebrew social services. Uh, Most of them from the State Department and the Department of Homeland Security. President Biden and those who control the Democratic Party want the migrant flow to continue precisely because it reduces the white proportion of the U.S. population and increases the future number of Democratic voters. That would be, of course, uh, something that probably progressives will jump on uh, with with Gross' statements here as being something that's racist. And, of course, it seems to me that racism is being promoted as a means of dividing our country. And uh, that's something for people to watch. It's almost, I shouldn't say almost as if I think it's true that the left, you know, the progressive movement wants to divide America, black against white, because they have used racism in the past to advance their cause. And I think they feel that they need racism in the future to advance their cause. And they're trying to put a divide between black America and white America. And uh, McGrath here is talking about it, and I'm sure he's probably going to be called a fascist and a racist for bringing this uh, to attention. He said that America may be changed irretrievably matters not to them. That they will gain political power and be able to transform America means everything. So I'm just going to stop there and just let that uh, part of the article speak for itself. But it seems to go right along with with a lot of the people in the church, the clergy and so forth are concerned about. And I never would have understood some of their concerns if it weren't for excerpts from uh, Francis Mayer's book. So it's important to get that. And and is there anything more that you want to say, Lynn, on Um, what I've just said? There's a lot going on in the world. Wars, lots of confusion. And I think this book, when I read it, will help with my confusion about what's going on in the church. But it seems that Pope Francis has come out this last week and made the statement that gender ideology is the, is today's worst danger. All the things that are going on in the world, mer- evil has taken over, and we're worried about Gender, I I don't get. And I saw this week that he had a meeting, I think it was with the leader of the SSPX, which is a traditional Catholic order, and they only say the, the uh, Latin Mass. But he had a meeting this week, and I would like to have been a fly on that wall. So, so much going on. And I wonder, are you like me? I'm grasping for trying to understand what's going on 
and I'm not getting anywhere yet, but hopefully I will. Maybe there's hope when we read the book, because it may be hopeful once we see what the bishops are really thinking, because they they have to be so careful of what they say, or they're zoomed, they're gone. And you see it every week. There's a, one bishop after the other being removed by Rome. So that's a lot to think about. Well, I, there's some pretty strong statements there. I don't know what he's. What side is he on on the gender ideology he's talking about? Is he talking about the fact that uh, he's against the idea of uh, transgender, uh, or is he talking that he's in favor of it, or what? Well, uh, it's. I mean, that is an important issue. And uh, America Magazine is one of the that quoted him. And of course, you know, it's uh, a Jesuit magazine. They put out that the gifts of men and women are fruitful together. And to erase the difference between men and women is to erase humanity, of course. That's the Pope says. Well, that's a good thing, I would say. Today, the worst danger is gender ideology, which he said, underlining that he has asked for studies to be done about this ugly ideology of our time, which erases differences and makes everything equal. That's good. Well, that would be a good thing that he's saying. And the the, the problem is, is that it seems to me that uh, there's a pattern here that uh, Pope Francis will often bring up a subject like this, take the church's stand on it, which seems, you know, solid. Mm-hmm. And then you think the issue is over. The church has taken a stand on it, and the church is against it, and that's the end of it. But then the issue keeps coming up, and it's brought up again and again and again. And then pretty soon there is a change, and, and then, then it's almost as if the pope is saying, "Well, since this issue is sort of boiling over, maybe we should reconsider it from a different angle." And that seems to be happening a lot of times too. So. When you know, when I'm glad that he brought up uh, that the church is against this, that the church is sticking to its uh, traditional stance on things like this. But on the other hand, again, a lot of times it seems that that's the case, and the the, the issue is over, and then we get a, a, some kind of a pronouncement, such as fiducia supplicans or some other ambiguous pronouncement dealing with that same issue that makes things worse than they were before. So I hope that's not something that is being signaled here by Francis is taking a solid stand against this, you know, transgender and then not letting the issue drop, bringing it up again and then making some kind of pronouncement, trying to make some kind of compromise with transgender. And this is what seems to be going on somehow or another, trying to make a compromise with the various issues, uh, that the church has already settled on, and then everything becomes ambiguous, as these priests were saying in this article, and that ambiguity causes division in the church. And so then people begin to wonder, is Francis doing this on purpose, or is this simply something he's doing because he's trying to smooth things over, or, you know, what's going on, and then there's confusion. I say this article, so, what I've read from it, from America Magazine, which I don't have yeah. subscribed to or support, uh, he says things that sound so good, and we turn around, and he's going to have a, not a synod, but a meeting between men and women. 
Exactly. Coming so, up. What's that going to accomplish? I, I think that's what there was in this. And they, that, that's a pattern of this papacy. That, that's what these priests were, were, were getting at when they said that, that this is causing ambiguity. He says, you know, bishops are, are loyal to St. Francis, but then he makes expressions and so forth that cause, uh, that are ambiguous and they cause, it's, it feeds division and the, the, the church becomes divisive and the unity of the church is hurt and the church is not able to act as, as it should. So, uh, it makes you wonder, you know, is it, whether this stuff is deliberate or not. At any rate, uh, we're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church Campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working. Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Chicago radio personality Kevin Matthews found a broken statue of the Virgin Mary by a dumpster. His life was changed forever. Join us at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Bloomington on Saturday, March 23rd to hear Kevin's life-changing Broken Mary story. Doors open at 11 with a light lunch available at 11.30. This free event starts at 12.30, book signing afterwards. Register on the Holy Trinity website under the Grow in Faith tab or call us at 309-829-2197. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We've been talking about some very, very serious issues, but I think the season of Lent is a very, very serious season, and it's time to take a, a look at some of these things. Uh, we're talking about the uh, book that Francis Mayer wrote, True Confessions, that gives so much good information about uh, the state of the Catholic Church uh, today and what uh, a lot of the uh, clergy and, and bishops and priests and deacons and are thinking uh, in the church, the issues they're addressing. Some of them really surprised me. 
some of them, I certainly do agree with their concerns and their, you know, their concerns go along the line uh, with me. And uh, they've been talking about uh, some of the issues that they have with uh, Pope Francis, thinking that uh, some of the things that he is doing is leading to confusion. I know that uh, we read last week uh, some articles about fiducia supplicans, that uh, there's a lot of disturbance in the church on account of it, and there's a lot of pushback against it, and a lot of people that are not going along with it. And uh, we tried to be fair on this. Uh, I got the magazine here in front of me, Touchstone, and uh, there was a reference uh, in the uh, magazine, First Things, to an article here in Touchstone. So I got the magazine. And I read that article, and uh, there's an article in Touchstone that uh, asks, could Francis be right? I mean, are we wrong and Francis right? And I can't get into that article. Uh, it's a long article. Uh, but the, the author concludes after bending over backwards as much as he could possibly bend over to try and understand fiducia supplicans from a view compatible with the teaching of the Catholic Church, he makes the conclusion that no matter how hard you try to do that, nevertheless, the church is put in a position in in that uh, pronouncement of at least looking like, if not actually approving of, uh, you know, homosexual activity and uh, approving of almost uh, same-sex marriage and other things, and there's a lot of people in the church using it along those lines. And so there's a lot of questioning what Francis' intentions were. If they were intentions to smooth something over, to make some kind of a, of, of a, a, you know, a bridge between uh, some of the people doing these things in the church and somehow bringing them back into the church, it certainly isn't working. And more and more people conclude that uh, there may be a deliberate intent to actually promote this whole idea of moving over toward more an acceptance of this kind of behavior. And that would be against the dogs of the church. So again, that's ambiguous and more confusion and uh, it hurts the church. And then some of these articles deal with the fact that Francis is now saying that African culture is different from American culture, and therefore, if the African some of the African churches do not want to practice, uh, uh, or not want to follow the uh, path laid down by fiducia supplicans, they don't have to. But on the other hand, if you do that, you're saying in effect that uh, Catholicism, you know, is different in different places, and it can be interpreted differently by different groups of people according to their cultures and so forth. And it destroys then again the universality and unity of the Catholic Church because that's what Catholic means. It means universal. And so either way that you go, you're getting into a situation where the church is being disunified and hurt. And uh, people are very, very concerned about this. And so this is why there is just so much disturbance over fiducia supplicants. And uh, here is, uh, I, there was also in uh, Touchstone a number of articles uh, from the editors of Touchstone. Some of those editors are Catholic. Touchstone is a, you know, is a, a, a magazine that uh, incorporates a lot of various Christians, uh, Catholics as well as uh, other uh, Christian writers, and they all have their different points of view. 
but it seems like almost all of the editors, I shouldn't say almost all of the editors uh, of that magazine, Catholic as well as Protestant, uh, read Fiducius Supplicans as an article that, whether whether intended or not, approves of uh, same-sex activity, and it is against the teaching of the Catholic Church. And I just want to read one article uh, by one of the editors, Anthony Esselin, who is a very strong Catholic who writes for the magazine, is one of the editors of the magazine, and uh, look at it from his point of view uh, of Fiducia Supplicans, and also to show that we have looked at every side of this. We're not trying to take you know one side and ignore the other. We have looked at every side of this, and, and from, almost from every point of view, the conclusion is that Fiducia Supplicans is a very disturbing uh, pronouncement, and that uh, it, no matter how you look at it, it it actually is suggesting that there is uh, it's, it's suggesting that there's there's a, a division, not only a division in thinking in the church, but it suggests that uh, the, the the teaching of the church on uh, homosexuality uh, is. Uh, somehow amendable, somehow it can be changed, and that it can be moved along the lines of actually approving of homosexual activity and perhaps even same-sex marriage. And that's simply from a lot of very, very serious thinkers. It says, this is the title of the article here, is An Indecent Proposal, and it's by Anthony Esselin, and uh, he's a very strong Catholic. He says, I believe it is pathological, let alone sinful, for a man to desire to do to and with another man with the organic structure of their bodies and the entire masculine psychophysical makeup were never meant to do. One of the secondary reasons I believe this is illustrated unintentionally by fiducia supplicants, and it's embraced by Catholics who experience the, the desire I have described. Where you find one severe pathology, you are likely to find others too, bound up in parasitic symbiosis. There are several such accompanying pathologies in the case of homosexual desire. The one I have in mind is a profound and engrossing narcissism. Set aside whether two citizens of Sodom should present themselves as a couple to be blessed by a priest in church, why would they want to do so? Ordinary decency should forbid it. So should a modicum of charity for those in the congregation who will be scandalized by the blessing, even if you believe, as I do not, that for a priest to bless them as a couple is permissible, even rational. So should a care for the universal church, which, as a couple must well know, will be threatened by a worldwide fracture if such blessings are made common, and if they prove to be a, to be but a preparation for the total abandonment of sexual uh, of Catholic sexual morality. So he's in effect saying here that from a charitable point of view, uh, the couples like this should be looking at the what this fiducius supplicants and what they, if they present themselves for its pronouncement, can do to the church out of charity. They themselves, if they're, if they're charitable people, should understand that it's better for them not to do so. It is within the embrace of the mass, a kind of pride parade in miniature. In this sense, the proceedings are all about the pair and their paraphilia and nobody else. 
Some queer theorists, as they call themselves, are frank in their wish to see the Christian faith rotted out from within and heterosexual relations as the ordinary way of nature lose their normative force. They desire the destruction. But what can explain the more typical Johnny and Joey? They appear psychologically incapable of entertaining the most obvious of questions, such as, what will approving my actions imply for approving other less questionable actions? They are blind to the harm of the collapse of married life in our midst. They show no tender care for the innocence of children. They do not feel for the loneliness of young people who refuse to fornicate in order to meet someone of the opposite sex. Heaven and earth are to revolve about themselves. So what he is saying is is that there needs to be some charity from the other side. I mean, it's always demanding that we be charitable to people who are outside the boundaries of the church, to people who are uh, not walking with the church, that somehow we should be charitable enough to bring them back. But the fact is, is that we need to look at how that bringing them back can do an awful lot of harm to the church if done in the wrong way and not done by following tradition and not done by following uh, what we've always taught uh, all through the ages and doing it in such a way that scandalizes other people that, in other words, there needs to be charity from that side as well. And this is what Esselin is calling for. Uh, he's honest uh, in his article here saying that, you know, he disapproves of that kind of behavior personally, but nevertheless, he's trying to look at it from another point of view. And that is, is that we should expect charity from both sides and it doesn't seem that we're getting it. So That's true. It's all one-sided, it seems. That goes back to the statement from the, that I read earlier from Mayor. Bullying, being a bully is now the go-to mythology of our enlightened leadership class. You know, have all these things in schools teaching kids not to bully, but isn't this what is happening? If you don't agree with the party that is pushing these things, you're, you know, you're bullied. Your bishops are removed. Uh, You know, it's just... you're right. It's exactly. You're exactly right. It, it is bullying from the other side. I mean, the other side is constantly warning about bullying, but they see bullying only going in one direction. Anything that that interferes with their particular point of view and their particular cause that they want to advance, anything that interferes with that is somehow bullying. But their interference with everybody else in any way that they possibly can is not. And then also, it seems to me that the whole thing is just a wash in a tremendous amount of deceit. It seems as if the progressive cause is always moving themselves forward in a deceitful manner by pretending they're doing one thing when they're really doing something else. And uh, it seems to me that they want to breed confusion. And I think a lot of our clergy are beginning to understand and look at the whole fact that uh, this is this is a satanic, this is a demonic uh, force in our society. I mean, after all, Christ said over and over again that Satan, the devil, was a liar from the very beginning, that his whole uh, kingdom is built on lies, that everything you know, that he does is a lie. At the core of everything that's satanic is a lie. And when we get a whole movement that is constantly being deceitful and thinking that it's perfectly okay to be deceitful as long as you're pushing a good cause, <laughs> that the uh, 
The end, you know, in other words, your end justifies your means. So de- the means of deceit is okay. And you get that. This is going right along with uh, a satanic uh, force uh, in our society and world. And it's something we as traditional Catholics should certainly be looking at. So, especially in this, in this Lenten season. And uh, I want to uh, talk here a little bit before the end of this. I uh, intended to talk more about it, but time is getting away from us. And uh, we're getting into this a little bit more than I thought we would. But I think really, uh, and I'm going to propose this, uh, if there are people out there who are interested, I think that the uh, Catholicism, we should begin building a resistance movement against what is going on and what the people see going on in our society. I really do. And uh, I think my wife and I are getting too old to maybe to do that ourselves. But there are people out there that are interested in that kind of thing that uh, we should begin building on a local level and in person, not something over the Internet. It's great to use the Internet to do something, but in person, a mutual protection and support group for Catholics, uh, you know, supporting free speech, uh, supporting, uh, you know, Catholicism. Uh, in our society uh, and uh, promoting uh, especially uh, free religious speech and and free religious belief uh, and rallying to the support of people who are attacked by the cancer culture uh, when they speak uh, uh, up and the cancel culture goes against them, people lose their jobs, people are harassed, uh, people are threatened. Uh, I really do think that uh, somebody should be starting these groups on a very local level. Uh, they can support Catholic principles and general Christianity. Uh, these groups could rally behind anyone who is victimized by cancel culture, but especially religious people. Uh, it could be standing up for free speech for anybody. Uh, I think they ought to start with an, a Catholic appeal, but I think it should be open to other Christians as well. Uh, you might emulate uh, the what are the Rofters groups. There are the uh, readers of uh, First Things, and uh, that's a magazine, and they call themselves Rofters, readers of First Things. And these are groups that get together and they discuss what's uh, going on in our society concerning Christianity and Catholicism, especially in particular from the magazine First Things. And they have discussion groups and so forth that meet in restaurants or in homes. Uh, you could meet in uh, bars if you want to or, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe public libraries would be another place that you could meet. But if people have an interest in doing this, they could use the Internet to uh, contact like-minded people, but nevertheless, or they can even do this on college campuses, but nevertheless, these groups should be tied to the local community and they should meet in person and they should be local. I mean, the internet is too spread out and uh, people need to meet face-to-face and people need more than anything else to know that they're not alone. And that's mainly what the group would provide. It would provide people with the feeling and the knowledge that when they speak up or they act in ways to promote uh, Western civilizational values or Catholic uh, principles or uh, talk on uh, religious issues that might be controversial, that they will have people of like mind that will be with them. 
And that is very, very important. You know, uh, yeah. It's one of the principles and the ideas that belong yeah. for us to be together and united. Yeah, and we're getting to close here. We'll talk about this more in the next program. We don't have the time here, but I want everybody out there to know that if you're interested in doing something like that, if you will contact the station, I will make uh, anything that I, any information that I can known on this show over the air. And if you would like, you would be welcome to come into the station and speak on the air yourself concerning this. And so if there's anybody out there whatsoever that is interested in, in, in forming uh, support groups, Catholic support groups that would support free speech and free religion, free Catholic ideas, and let people know that if they have things that are going to cause pushback from cancel culture, that they will have people who will be on their side. Please feel free to contact our station uh, for more uh, so that you can uh, get more information on this or get more information out there. At any rate, we're going to have to stop here. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruined souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.